Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we're continuing our devotional study of Matthew with chapter 2. And I'll be reading from the NIV, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem in Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He had sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Since yesterday's reading, the time frame has jumped ahead a little bit. We're now about two years later, and baby Jesus is a toddler. The family was living in Bethlehem, which is about six miles away from Jerusalem, and it's the time frame of King Herod. King Herod, we know from Jewish history, died in 4 BC. We have records of that. And so that's how we have this time frame of the birth of Jesus. There's a couple of things that I want to point out as we look through this passage together. It talks about the Magi, or you may have remembered them as the wise men. They were the men from the East. That word Magi comes from a Greek word, Magoi, and it really refers to the priest class from like Persia or Babylon or those Eastern countries. And they were called wise men essentially because they were leaders in their courts in their countries. And you have to remember at this time, there wasn't much of a separation between the religious leaders at the time and the political leaders at the time. And so they had this elevated status and they likely used things like diplomacy and astrology and even magic to lead. And so these astrologers would commonly study the skies. And as they would study the skies, they would use what was happening out in the sky to inform their decisions or understanding of what was happening politically on the ground. At this time, there was still 
a pretty large Jewish population, both in Babylon and Persia. And so it is likely that these Magi could have been influenced somewhat by those Jewish populations that were living in those areas. I think that's super interesting. And one thing that we don't often think about is that maybe they did already have some understanding of what was going on. Regardless, scholars believe that they traveled about 900 miles and it probably took them several months to get there. You may find it a little odd that they traveled all that way, but you have to remember in this world, in the first century, it was a lot different than how we understand it today. At that time frame, there was this general expectation among all of the countries that there would be a ruler coming from Judea. And not just that this ruler was coming, but eventually that ruler would seize power and rule the world. The Jews were not just the only ones that were living with this expectation. They were just the ones that were calling him Messiah because he was going to save them. But around them, in that world around them in the ancient Near East, this was a general expectation of the time. So when the Magi came to worship Jesus, it was of course, in admiration as another political leader. And it was likely for political reasons, not realizing quite yet that he was God. King Herod, who had not long been known as being kind of a paranoid leader, he understood that prophecy that this leader was coming. And to be perfectly honest, he felt threatened. The Jewish historian Josephus writes about King Herod. And we learn from Josephus that not only was Herod paranoid, but he would squash any kind of threat to his throne. He even had his wife and his two children murdered because of a potential threat that he felt from them. Any threat to his empire, he just did not tolerate. He built fortresses up and down along the border and palaces to protect himself. Well, what does this have to do with baby Jesus? Well, The Old Testament prophet Obadiah had prophesied that there was going to be a complete destruction of the line of Esau, and Herod was from the line of Esau. And so if there was even a hint of this promised Messiah arriving on the scene, Herod would have seen that as a threat to his throne and his very life, his line, his lineage. In addition to that, when Herod would have seen these magi coming, It was not likely what we see on TV or what we think of in the nativity scene of just three men arriving by themselves. You have to remember that these were royalty, the royal priests from another nation, and they typically traveled in caravans. So they probably had with them servants and guards and military escorts. They needed those things to protect them and to protect the valuable gifts that they were bringing along. And so think about how that would look. And, you know, if you think about how kings travel now, they have their bodyguards, they have their caravans, they have their, you know, even how the president has secret service, secret security. It's similar to that. They wouldn't have just been three men alone traveling. So when Herod saw this caravan arrive on the scene, he probably thought that these Eastern leaders were coming to join forces with this new leader in Israel, and they were going to have a plan to take over. In verse 5, it talks about how we're in Bethlehem. And Matthew includes this fact that they were living in Bethlehem for a couple of reasons. Number one, it fulfills the prophecy around his birth. The prophet Micah said that Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the Messiah. 
it's pretty small and pretty unassuming, pretty insignificant of a, of a village, a town. But out of that village came a lot of greatness. It was the home of Ruth and Boaz, who were ancestors of, of King David. And then David himself was born there as well. All of that was happening even before Jesus arrived on the scene. In verse 11, it talks a little bit about the gifts. And I just want to go over that a little bit with you. When someone was coming to approach royalty or even highly respected political leaders, there was an expectation that gifts would be brought. Gold was one of the most valued things in the ancient world, many of the same reasons why it is today, for money, for jewelry, for the way they could use it to decorate things. Incense or frankincense, that comes from an amber resin. And when it's burned, it had a sweet smell. It was often used as a perfume in these other cultures. But in Israel, it was actually the only incense that could be used on the altar. I think that's interesting. And then myrrh. Myrrh is a mix of resins and oils. And that was also used as a perfume in these other countries. But in Israel, it was a burial spice. It's what they would tuck in the clothes of someone that died to help with the smell of the decomposing body, essentially. And so these magi, who were not Jewish, who likely did not believe yet in Yahweh, brought gold, frankincense, the altar incense, and myrrh, a burial spice, as gifts for Jesus. They followed a star for nine months that led him to the king. There's a lot of debate about that star. Some scholars believe it was an actual scientific event, like a comet or a supernova or a collection of planets. Others say it was supernatural. It was something that God did to announce the birth of his son, Jesus. And others think that perhaps the Magi were the only ones that even saw it in the sky. Some think that maybe it was an angel, because angels can sometimes be referred to as stars in the ancient world. And there's actually some ancient Arabic literary works that refer to what's called a gospel of infancy, where an angel came in the form of a star to lead the Magi on their journey. I think regardless, we have to agree that this whole situation was miraculous. But there's something else going on here. One of the things that Matthew's doing here, as he's including this story in this portion of scripture, is he's challenging the Jewish people that he's writing to. Remember, this was originally a Jewish audience. He isn't condoning astrology, so please don't misunderstand me. But what he is doing is he's confronting this prejudice that this original audience had to outsiders of their faith, to the Gentiles. So what we see here are these pagans that can respond to Jesus because of who Jesus is. They recognize the power and the authority that he brings as something different than what they have seen at any other time with their false gods. They followed that star as far as they could have until they got to Jerusalem. And then they had to ask, where is he? Because that supernatural experience that they had It could only get them so far. They needed the wisdom and the revelation of God's special people to understand this revelation that God's people had. 
I think it's interesting also that in verse 12, it talks about how they were warmed in a dream. And it's interesting because this is part, the second half of the birth narrative. We started the portion yesterday, the first part of it, and today we're finishing up. But in this birth narrative, there's this exhibition of this divine protection and guidance through dreams and angels and a star. And the star could have also been an angel. And we notice that Jesus isn't actually doing anything yet, but it's who he is that makes this impact on the world. You know, Herod is trying to kill him. The Magi are coming to worship him. Joseph is trying to protect him. The prophets are testifying about him. There's stuff happening even now. And we see God's presence over him in this early stage when he's still this vulnerable little baby. There's something else I want to point out as we read through this passage again. The religious leaders knew where the Messiah would be born. They knew of the prophecies, and they're the ones that told Herod where it would happen. Yet they themselves are not in this scene anywhere. They didn't come to worship the baby Jesus. Even when the Magi come and ask him where he is, and they give that answer based on their own religious prophecies, they don't join the Magi. I think at that point, a light bulb would have gone off for me. I think even if I was complacent up to that point and I would have been like, oh yeah, let me go with you. I forgot. Or I didn't realize it was happening yet or any number of reasons, but that's not what would happen. Instead, what happens is they're complacent in their own religion and they don't even come to worship the Messiah that they had long been waiting for. Again, I think what Matthew's doing is he's challenging his readers in this text. And I think that's a challenge for us too. You know, one of the things that we'll see as we go through Matthew's gospel is this undercurrent where he talks about this sin of complacency. It's this sin of taking Jesus for granted, of warning us not to fall into that place. There's a sense that Matthew is sharing here that even for the Jews, God's special people, if they don't worship and recognize him, the Gentiles will. And quite honestly, that is what happened for the majority. Now, not all of them, but for the majority of people, God's special people did not recognize Jesus when he came. And yet that message permeated the hearts of people around the world. Don't be so caught up in religion that you don't see Jesus. Given that insight, we're going to go ahead and reread Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way 
and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and have been given a warning in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Father God, thank you so much for the challenge that we see in this passage of scripture. God, help us not to be complacent in our walk with you. Help us not to be so caught up in our religion that we lose sight of Jesus. Lord, I pray for the hearts and minds of my friends today that perhaps are even hearing this text and these messages for the first time. God, would you permeate their hearts in a way that is tangible and real as you continue to draw them to you by your spirit. God, we thank you for your word and the way you reveal yourself to us throughout it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I'll see you here tomorrow, guys. Hey, friends, before you go, I want to make sure you know about our Patreon page. The Patreon page is really a place to gain all sorts of resources specifically for the Hearing Jesus podcast and the Hearing Jesus for Kids podcast. There's a specific and dedicated private Facebook group, which is a place for me to interact with you, to pray with you, to answer questions. I'd love it for you to join us there. And there's also another level that gives you the inside scoop on everything else that's going on. The journaling prompts are there. If you've been with us for some time, you know that I usually do journaling prompts that helps us get that information from the head to the heart. We have a downloadable daily prayer prompt that helps you get that information processed in a way that it affects your daily life. There's also a Bible reading tracker on there. There's bonus episodes, lots of things on an ongoing basis, a place where you can get all the resources to help you grow in your faith. And the second thing I want to mention to you is the Dawn app, which if you've never heard of that before, I have good news for you. I just recently recorded a series for the Dawn app and also did some writing for them. And it's a daily Bible study and prayer app that is completely free. The link for that is in the show notes. And then the last thing I'm super excited about, I want to tell you that we're going to start having opportunities for travel. This is going to look a couple different ways, depending on what you're looking for, but it's going to cover things like mission trips in-person retreats, and also eventually a Bible study trip to Rome. What I'm doing right now is I'm getting everybody's contact information so we can start communicating about what that might look like. So if you are interested in any of that, you can head to shehears.org for more information. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.